Hello there and welcome to Loons Weekly. We have a very special episode for you this week. Concentrating on what was last night's MLS transfer deadline day. Callum Williams, as always, alongside the most golden of golfers, Kindred de St. Aubin. And we're also joined by a very special guest as well, a man who is at the epicentre of trades and transfers when it comes to Minnesota United and has done a role very similar with the likes of DC United and Portland Timbers in the past. Amos McGee, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Cal. I'm doing well. Yep. Good, good, good. Um, so let's, first of all, before we dive into a lot of the deals, we're recording this on the morning of the Wednesday, the day after the deadline day, usually now what we'll see is a lot of these deals sort of be officially announced. A lot of them would have gone over the line late last night. But as someone in, in your position, how crazy is a day like this usually? Well, it, it really depends. I mean, we've had some crazy days uh, getting Ethan Finley over the finish line um, in 2017 in the summer. Um, took a lot and, and got down to the very end. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this transfer window, we, we fielded some phone calls and made a couple of phone calls, but for the most part, it was, it was generally pretty calm. Um, you know, and, and, uh, my two year old notwithstanding, I got to bed pretty, pretty early <laughs> last night. So. I was uh, also going to ask you as well. You mentioned it there briefly, uh, no deals done in this particular window for Minnesota United. I'm assuming two things now. Either one, you're happy with what you have, or two, or maybe even a combination of both, that there are now targets for the next window in the summer. So I would correct you and say that we got a lot of deals done in this window just earlier in the window, back in February. Correct. (laughs) So, uh, you know, we we did bring in five players, um, you know, not counting our draft picks, not counting uh, some free agent pickups. Um, and we feel really good about the the group that we have right now. But you know, you this is a, a forward thinking business, so you do have to start planning. You have to think about how you can get your your team better, whether that's internally um, with sort of some promotion of of players who are growing into their roles, or externally where you're looking to bring in sort of a new dynamic. And uh, you know, Manny and I, uh, along with our coaching staff, work hard at trying to to situate ourselves where. A, we're able to act uh, when we feel like we need to, and B, um, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly readjusting our list of, of players that we think can help us from within the league and from without the league. So before we move on to some of the deals that were done over the last few days, let's concentrate on Minnesota United and the one deal that was done a few days ago, and that was Francisco Calvo traded over to Chicago Fire. We've spoken to a couple of people about it, but not heard from, from you yet. Why was the deal made? Well, it was you know a timing issue and and uh, a place where our, you know where our team was, and we felt that this was a good time to 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 make a, a change, which um, you know can can add real positives and sometimes have some negatives. But we felt it was a time where the positives would accentuate, you know, what we would miss in Francisco leaving. So, uh, you know, we had a, a partner that was you know, we worked hard at it with with Chicago and. You know, we feel like we got him into a good situation. We feel like we're in a, a good situation with the group that we have and situated, um, as you addressed earlier, in the uh, in the summer window to, to again, add to our, our squad in the right ways. Makes uh, Saturday even a little more tasty, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> so let's move on then, shall we? Uh, Amos, I want to start with you. Um, we'll, we'll straight away. The deal wasn't done on deadline day. It was done the, deal, the, the, done the day before, rather. Brian Fernandez, the most expensive deal done on deadline day or there or thereabouts 
between 10 and $12 million, we're told. He goes from Liga MX to Portland Timbers, your old stomping ground. What did you make of this deal? Well, rumors were that it was done a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, and they were just waiting to, to get to the, you know, to the end of it. They, I think the money involved made it so that uh, the deal had to get done before this transfer window closed. Um, so Nakaxa, I think, even though they're into the uh, Liga MX playoffs and would miss him significantly, um, felt like it was it was worth it to to get the money. Um, and Portland gets a really much needed, versatile, exciting attacking piece, you know, which which I think really you know really makes them one of the top attacking teams in the West. And there's some good attacking teams in the West, so that's no short uh, order. And, uh, you know, but the, their Achilles heel in the past has been how they defend as a group and how they organize their group. And, you know, I still think that that'll, that challenge remains. But, um, you know, Gio gets a lot out of his group, and Gavin's a pretty shrewd operator, so I expect that they'll, you know, probably add something in the summer window um, to, to help solidify the group in the middle and back. Um, you know, and there'll be a team that'll be right there at the end. I, I think we can all be pretty uh, certain of. Now, we knew this would happen, Kendra. As we were recording this, deals are starting to be announced. We're just hearing that David Akam has been traded from Philadelphia Union to Columbus um, Crew. $400,000 in GAM, $100,000 in TAM, and an international roster spot. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's interesting because Philly is doing really well right now. And everybody, I, I talked to JP Della Camera quite a bit from the Philadelphia Union and kind of get to get the pulse on what they have going on there and what is going right for them right now. But one of the biggest things he said is the depth of the squad and the next man up mentality. And I think they've got other attacking pieces on their roster right now that they, they feel David Akam is expendable from an attacking piece and that worth the money, worth the move. Um, to Columbus Crew. So I think it's interesting watching kind of what, what is Columbus Crew. I mean, they made a few moves in this transfer window. What what are they doing? How are they trying to right the ship because they're on a downward slide? But that's another question, too, for you, Amos, is how much the, the what we're seeing come through maybe yesterday and today or maybe this week, is it reactionary to how this current season is is going? Or is are these things and ideas that they maybe had going into the season prior to just knowing how they needed to bolster their roster throughout the transfer window. You guys made moves early, other teams making late. What's your kind of pulse on how that well, all takes place? You know, the Columbus one's an interesting piece because they brought in a new GM uh, president in Tim Bezbachenko. They, mm -hmm. they organized their front office a little bit differently, and they have a new coaching staff. And so I think all of them were probably – trying to figure out, let's get the lay of the land of the group that we have. Let's work with them. Let's see what's, you know, how it pans out. I think some of the same issues that they had, uh, you know, under Burhalter's under Greg Burhalter's regime um, came up, and that was they weren't particularly dangerous team. Now, they got into great attacking positions, but weren't able to, you know, to turn expected goals into goals. Um, their wingers uh, weren't particularly productive. Put a lot of pressure on on Iguain and and Giassi Zardes, um, and so this you know clearly they you know they move Justin Miram to Atlanta, mm -hmm. you know for it's crazy it's like a million dollars less than he went a year before mm -hmm. to uh, from Columbus to to Orlando, um, and then they bring in David Akam who never quite settled in Philly. Now mm -hmm. now David is a player that uh, you know on his day is as dangerous as anybody in MLS, but. You know he's, uh, you know he's not a one-trick pony, but you know it's mostly his pace and the way that he stilts the the field that way. And so 
it'll be interesting to see how Caleb works him into that group and and how he fits with you know Pedro Santos, who's been a little bit more productive this year, Nico Hansen, Hector Jimenez, and you know they have some decent pieces in that group. And you know, listen, we'll see them here at Allianz Field mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, week yep. and a half. Yep. Um, you know, and so we'll we'll get a first first chance look at at that group who. You know, I think what they've they've not won in five games, so they needed to shake things up a little bit, and I think they have. The David Akam trade that we're just hearing of now, it, it does add a, a sprinkling of sense now, Kindra, to the Justin Mirror move over to Atlanta United. I must admit, I agree with Amos. He's not been as productive as you would want so far this year, but I did think to myself, $100,000 in gamble. You, <laughs> you bought him for a lot of money as well. That, that's a strange one for me. But now with the Akam deal, it does make a little more sense. Well, it does. And sometimes, you know, if you just need to find a player that fits what you're looking for, the price tag can be different. I mean, a lot of speculation about the Icapara move at the time and, and the money that was spent for him. But if it fits a need, it's, it's not just based on dollars and just on the player. It's what does the team need? And what are they looking for? What kind of hole are they trying to fill? How are they trying to change their roster and adjust their roster? So to me, it's not just about the dollar amount, um, but all this Tam and Gam. And what did Ike say the other day? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, I mean, jam, no one, <laughs> jam, sorts, yeah. no one can keep track of what these things are. But um, the Justin Merrim thing is is interesting still to me. I mean, the the dollar amount that they paid for me for him, as you said, Amos, a year ago or maybe a little less than a year ago, and now going for what he went, but. I'm just trying to figure out, too, like, how is he going to – where is he going to find a home? I mean, he's bounced around a lot, and he's trying to figure out where he fits, and Atlanta thinks he can um, accomplish something there and fit into their system, um, and they're starting to click. But um, I just think that David Akam and and what they were trying to do in Philadelphia, he started to become expendable, and they started to acquire other pieces that um, were getting the job done. And so maybe he can be revitalized in Columbus with Caleb Porter and – um, they also just acquired David Guzman. Yes. I always say that because I think of a baseball player, Guzman, every time I, I say his name. But um, uh, I think that there's a lot of things. Uh, it's fun to watch. And we knew that the trade deadline, we knew the transfer window closing was going to be a crazy one. And it, maybe it was a little slow to start this last week. And then all of a sudden it's picked up and it makes it more exciting. And I think this league is, that's what makes it fun. Amos, we, we sort of semi-joke about Tam and Gam yes. and, and <laughs> all other abbreviations you want to use about it. How is it working with it, and, and how has it changed MLS? <laughs> right, right. I was, I was going to say, uh, Kindred just said nobody can keep track of it. I'm actually paid to keep track of it. So. <laughs> and it's still hard, isn't it? I mean, yeah, seriously. Yeah, you start to think in that. You start to think in like a different currency. So, um, you know, look, it's it's somewhat artificial. It is, you know, it is internal um, currency. Um, we actually, you know, we had some trouble with um, with with the Metnir deal getting that over the finish line simply because this kind of uh, the French club not understanding, mm. you know, the way MLS uh, works. And so, um, you know, we, we had to give them a crash course, which <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't easy to do it in French um, <laughs> when we barely do it in English. So, uh, you know, it, it's changed. Uh, um, certainly it's what all of us in this, you know, in this side of the club, you know, we're, we're certainly versed in, in it and, and the value of it. And we obviously made a kind of a silly trade, but a trade that, uh, you know, of GAM for TAM and they have different values and kind of the internal market. And, um, you know, and I'm sure it's confusing to a lot of fans. I, I hope that at some point it, it smooths out so it's a little bit more understandable. 
um, to the common fan because I think you know the more they understand that what these deals are and what the values of players are, the more excited they get, the more interest there is, the more they follow. So, um, you know, it's an interesting one. And to go back to the Justin Miram piece, you know, yeah, Barco is going to be gone for potentially a month yes. with the U20s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have a new coach who's looking for new pieces that do different things. You know, Justin really flourished under Greg Berhalter. Then he went to Orlando uh, with Jason Kreiss. It didn't work out so well. He came back to, to Greg, and now they have a new coach in Caleb mm-hmm. and looking for different things. So the the move, you know, he hasn't settled particularly well, but it's also he's gone for, what, probably four different coaches in, yes. you know, in the last six months. So, um, you know, not to mention he's gone to, to play for his national team and actually scored some goals and done well there. So, you know, he's sort of got his head on a, a spinner right now, and, you know, I know the kid a little bit. I, I, I think he's a decent, you know, person, and I hope that you know he settles in uh, in Atlanta and 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 you know he he gets back to some of the form that he showed because he was a pretty exciting player mm-hmm. for a couple of years in Columbus. Okay, we'll move on. Um, the Sounders were busy last night. Uh, Jovan Jones has returned to Major League Soccer after a spell in Germany with Darmstadt at the fee around about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We're told they also added a designated player yesterday in Javier. Ariaga, I believe that's pronunciation. We'll get that Fantastic correct. <laughs> um, the Sounders look stern defensively anyway, Amos, but now they've added two more pieces. Your, your thoughts on these two deals? Well, it's interesting now, you know, probably Roman Torres, um, yep. you know, is, will, will get shopped, my guess, or he's got something lined up in, back in Colombia or somewhere else. I don't, I don't know. Um, Chad Marshall is, you know, 34 and has concussion issues, and they've got to start thinking about life after Chad, which, you know, uh, <laughs> looks like it may never happen, but eventually <laughs> it will. Guy's still playing at a pretty high level. Um, you know, and they uh, and they added Jovan Jones, and that for me is, I think Brad Smith is still on loan. So I think that there's, you know, there's work to do. I think he's been quite good. Yeah, so. I was going to ask you about that, actually. Sorry to interrupt. This Jovan Jones deal, what does that say about the Brad Smith loan deal? Because, as you mentioned, he's he's not there permanently yet, and there were a couple of whispers a few weeks ago that Bournemouth wanted him back. Well, so it's interesting, right? They have Brad Smith. They have Nuhu Tolo. Mm-hmm. They have Jovan Jones. Jovan and Nuhu struck up a pretty nice partnership. Perhaps they're setting that up, but Nuhu... I know has been there's been rumors about him potentially going overseas, so they basically have three for two. Um, they brought Joven back. He can play as a winger, can play as a fullback, um, and now they've got you know decisions to make. And maybe the decision's already been made, and that Brad Smith is going back, or he's too expensive. I don't quite know, but um, you know they've got to figure out uh, what they're doing. And I think they've given themselves an opportunity to to get into the uh, the summer window and not have to worry about addressing that position and that side of the field where if, if Brad Smith is leaving and they're going to sell Nuhu, then they really would have had to. Another trade that's just breaking, Benny Failharbour ah. has gone to Kansas City. Wow. Which uh, wow. <laughs> Wait, I, said, I, I sent that tweet to you this morning. He sent kind of a cryptic tweet, Failharbour did. Of him with like on a plane, and then it was like to found a fountain. I don't know. It was yes, something weird. It was one of those things like That's like something was coming down the pipeline. Well, it it, it makes sense, you know. If you uh, um, Peter Vermees's post game press conference was, I thought, you know, his his quotes were excellent. You guys can read them, I think, on MLS uh, Soccer. But basically, he's saying we have really good guys, but 
but guys who aren't playing regularly and aren't quite familiar with how we do things, mm -hmm. it takes time to get them integrated. And so when you miss a bunch of players, it isn't that the players you're replacing with them aren't good. It's just that they're not quite up to speed in the game in and game out rhythm of what we ask of them with this group. Now they bring in somebody who is familiar with, with what it takes to, to play for a sporting KC and what it takes to play for Peter. Um, he never settled in, in Colorado. Um, he's on pretty decent money. And uh, Colorado, uh, Kansas City has a you know, definite need. Now there are other rumors. I don't know whether they've been finalized about Jonathan Lewis to to uh, to Colorado. Yep. Um, that would make me think that they've created some cap space. Um, if he's no longer a generation Adidas player, which he may still be, but anyway, they, they you know they need to redo some things. They need to get younger. Um, they get rid of a 34-year-old Benny Fieldhaber and bring in probably a 24-year-old Jonathan Lewis. Um, different positions, but you know it sort of accentuates what they're trying to do, which is remake their group and uh, get ready for next year when they have two designated player spots and and Gashi and Tim Howard that they can address and use to bolster their squad. So I think for 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 Colorado, they're probably in the you know in the mode of trying to ship bad contracts out, get good young players in, and and then look to how they want to address the DP situation in 2020. So that's where I, I think that's going. Um, just so we're all aware as well, uh, in return, Kansas City will get a draft pick and also Abdul uh, Guatubaye as well has gone to Colorado mm. Rapids as well, which is uh, another intriguing one. Um, elsewhere, uh, as you mentioned as well, Jonathan Lewis, um, still waiting for confirmation, but that's a deal we're expected to get over the line over the, the next couple of hours. I understand, Kindra, that the likes of Jesus Medina, mm -hmm. uh, Maxi Morales... Uh, and uh, Ishmael Tajuri Shradi are ahead of him at mm. NYCFC. But it, it is still surprising to me that he's not got as much game time as I think a lot of us thought he would. I think everybody thought, especially once he got pulled into the men's national team and it started to see some some light at the end of the tunnel there, and, and he did well um, in that in that arena. Um, I thought he was just a really solid young talent. And watching you know tape of him and watching him in the little bit he did play with NYCFC and watching him with the men's national team... But you just, I just didn't know what to expect from Dome Turin and what he was doing at NYCFC. And you bring in these international players and you bring in some of that flair and you spend money on those international players. I was surprised he didn't get more time. I was surprised that he was coming off the bench, that he wasn't in his starting role. And, you know, maybe good for him that he's going to go somewhere where he is going to be more of a, a, a focal point to what they're trying to accomplish because I think he's a really solid player. I think he can create a lot. He's got a ton of pace on the wing, um, and I think he has the ability to get in and create and, and attack and break defenses down. So um, I, I, I liked what I saw from him, and I was surprised he wasn't getting more minutes. But I, I, then again, nothing totally surprises me what NYCFC was doing or not doing under Dome Turin and um, you know the direction that they were trying to go. I don't For a while, I don't think anybody knew what that direction was, including mm -hmm. the players. Uh, finally, Emma, before we let you go, I know you've got a busy day ahead. Um, Fabio Alvarez has gone on loan to the Galaxy as well, coming in uh, from Argentina. He's one of these players, at least in the tape that I've seen, that can play across the line behind the forward, but can also play as a centre-forward as well. Another good attacking piece for Scalotto's men. Yeah, you know, and they've got to figure out what happens if, if, if Zlatan can't play. Um, you know, they obviously had a pretty good fail-safe in Ola Kamara last year. Um, they played Chris Pontius there. We did that a little bit in D.C. and Chris is an, an able and work, you know, uh, willing and able runner and worker and 
He's got a lot of quality, but his best position is wide. And they've, you know, he's landed there now and is starting for their group and doing well. So they needed somebody that could spell Zlatan. Um, it looks like uh, Alvarez can, uh, but also, you know, they have Alessandrini out until September. So again, yeah. So if you look at, uh, you know, you look at the the makeup of their group and how it looks like Scalotto wants to play in a four three three. You know, they need some winger depth. So. I think that's a great signing for them. I think he'll do pretty well. Add in with the t- Antunia and Boateng and Pontius. And, you know, listen, the, you get Giancarlo Gonzalez up mm-hmm. to speed. That's a pretty formidable roster, and they've sort of remade that in, in just a year. And, um, you know, the middle three uh, we saw when we played in L.A., less so I think we bottled them up a little bit here. But, you know, they, between Joe Corona mm-hmm. and Jonathan Dos Santos and uh, Leggett, it's – legit so it's a it's a good group and uh you know for me they'll they're you know they're with lafc and portland um seattle you know and hopefully us in the top of the uh, western conference amos thank you very much for joining us Fantastic really appreciate guys. it yep. good luck thank you very much to amos uh, mcgee and what we'll do now then uh kindra will refocus unless anything else changes on this day of days <laughs> uh, what we'll do is we'll focus now on minnesota united on the road to chicago fire no doubt, at least from the Minnesota point of view, a lot of the headlines will be heading towards Francisco Calvo. And a lot of the comments that he that mm-hmm. he had said just a few days ago about some of the coaching staff here, it, it adds a little bit of fuel to the fire, does it not? Well, I think it's interesting because when we had our production meeting on Monday, what day is it today, Wednesday? Maybe. We were we were kind of, <laughs> yeah, exactly, what in the world day is it today? Um, we were kind of going through, okay, how do we want to do this, you know, against Chicago? What do we want to talk about? You know, let's let's chat Francisco Cavill, let's chat. You know, we did a little bit last week, of course, on Saturday, um, right after the trade had happened, but then now that you're playing the Chicago Fire, you feel the need to kind of address it again and talk about what that means, and um, you felt like, okay, this is going to be great. He's going to have positive things to say. He... He's going to, um, you know, reflect kindly on Minnesota United and, um, you know, this happens, it's a business. And then literally hours later, some of those quotes had come out from Francisco Calvo and um, after translated, throwing a little bit of the club and the, the coaches under the bus. So it completely changes, I think, the dynamic of this game and the mindset going into it. It's always one thing to be playing against your former club and there's always going to be an added sense of energy and um adrenaline in that match but playing him a week later and then now playing him after the comments that he said I think it uh it's it kind of raises the stakes here and Minnesota United is gonna have to go in there and get three points I think to really feel vindicated from this move and from his comments what do we expect from Minnesota United heading into this one let's start from a a pure formation point of view because the 4-3-3 has worked and I I understand why Adrian would keep it that Mm -hmm. way particularly Mm -hmm on the road as well, if you box things up in the center of midfield. Uh, but you can also see him going the other way as well. Well, first of all, I think the 4-3-3 with Darwin or the 4-3-3 with Miguel Ibarra looks very different in my mind and my take on how it operates. Um, I think when Darwin came in the match the other night coming off the bench and it switched up to more of a 4-2-3-1 and he doesn't drop as deep, Darwin doesn't drop as deep defensively to really help clog the midfield, it creates an overload in midfield in the wrong direction for Minnesota United. So I think these are all things that 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 the staff has to figure out because you, you need Darwin Quintero on the field. He is an absolute gem on the ball. He creates, he's dynamic, he's 
fun to watch. He creates goals. He creates opportunities. I mean, it's one of those things that you need him on the field, but how do you best play? And, of course, on the road is sometimes different than and then at home as well. And who you're playing and who your opponent is is different as well. But um, I like the 4-3-3. I've liked how it's looked every time Minnesota United has played it, but how do they get the best pieces to the puzzle in the right places to be attacking? Angela Rodriguez has been fantastic in the at the central um, part of that 4-3-3 up top. But then if you put speed up there, do you go Abu Dinladi? Do you go over Mario Barra? I mean... These are good problems to have, in my opinion, because it means that you have depth and you have options and you have versatility. Maybe something they didn't have the first two seasons. It was like a 4-2-3-1. This is the way we need to play. We'll switch it up maybe when we're missing outside backs to a 3-5-2 or a, a 5-3-2. But um, um, I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting question of, of Adrian Heath and the coaching staff to figure out what what makes the, the make it makes it tick. I mean, what's your thought on it? You see it as much as I do, and, and you see the changes that get made, and you don't always get to be the host. Sometimes you get you get to, <laughs> I get to ask you what your thoughts are. Um, again, obviously, a lot of it depends on what Chicago Fire do yes. as well. I think um, it it wouldn't surprise me if actually Adrian went back to the four two three one. Yes, it wouldn't surprise me just because of the way that the fire line up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think um, you have to do everything you can to uh, to contain. Um, Gaitan, yes. because he is a heck of a player. Let's mm-hmm. not forget it was only, mm-hmm. I know he's just spent 18 months in the Chinese Super League, but prior to that, yeah. it wasn't very long ago he was playing for Atletico Madrid in the Champions League, you know, so. Yeah. And he's just kind of coming into a full fitness too. He had, yes. he had spent some time away from the game and, you know, getting into the Chicago mix. So now I think he's really starting to click. You know, I think we're starting to see that more like in the LAFC game. Mm-hmm. Again, that was on the road. I thought they had a very defensive shape in that match. But in general, I think you're starting to kind of see the guy time they expect to see for Chicago Fire. Yep, but I could also see Adrian do the four three three because especially if Chicago line up with three centre halves, which I'm fully expecting, yep. it, I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Kappelhoff, Schweinsteiger, and Calvo. Yep. Um, and when Chicago have the ball, Schweinsteiger tends to push forward a little more. Mm-hmm. That that wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. if that was the case. So what that leads me to believe is that if you've got two vibrant wide players yes. who will press. Mm-hmm who won't really tuck inside, which Quintero does mm-hmm. when he plays out wide, mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if that's the way that they went. Yep. Um, we'll wait and see. But it's going to be really intriguing. And uh, no doubt about it, Chicago Fire are there for the taking. Just mm-hmm. two victories for them so far this season. Before we finish up, Kendra, um, what should we expect from the game and your prediction on the score? <sighs> I think Minnesota is going to get a win. I mean, I, I do think that they'll go there and get the three points just because of the emotion behind the match. And um, I, and, and I think we have the stronger squad. I think we do. I yeah. think we have the better roster. I think we have the stronger squad. I think we have a more cohesive unit. I think the way this team is playing together right now for each other. And um, I don't necessarily know exactly what the style is quite yet. Um, I think every game Minnesota's looked a little bit different depending on the opponent. Are they... Uh, you know, and I, I saw Bobby Warshaw kind of had a, a quote about this as well. Are they a counterattacking team? Are they a possession team? I mean, sometimes it, you you got to take what the game gives you and go with it and try to get the three points um, any way you can. But I think all in all, Minnesota's got the better uh, roster, the better defense. I think um, the midfield battle can be won. I think the way, the pace on the wings, I think I love the combination of Ethan Finley and Roma Metzner. I think they found a really good, solid chemistry on that right-hand side. Um, if they can get in on the attack and, and create. Angelo has been on fire. He's found his role, his purpose. 
And um, the fact that you've got Kevin Molino, and I'll say it again, you know, Miguel Abara, depending on the attacking pieces, Romario Abara, Abu Dinladi, depending on his health, as uh, options off the bench, that's just something you never had before right. from this club. And um, Eric Miller has done well, better than I thought, just knowing the pace that comes at him on the outside. Um, I think he's done a really fantastic job. And um, you've got Ike Apara and Brent Coleman sitting in behind. So um, I think Minnesota gets the win. I'm going I'm going to go 2-1 again. I don't know that Minnesota gets a shutout with some of the attacking pieces Chicago does have. But I like Minnesota's chances, and I expect Minnesota to be on the front foot the entire time, even though they're on the road in Chicago. I'm going to go 3-1 Minnesota. I was I was tinkering with that <laughs> idea in my head of a 3-1. We'll see. And uh, you can see it as well. 6.30 p.m. on Saturday evening on Fox Sports North. Don't forget there's live radio coverage as well on Score North. Uh, my thanks to Kindred East St. Auburn as always and to our special guest Amos McGee, our supreme button presser Morgan Lubin as well, our producer. For all the latest... On Minnesota United, of course, you can download the MNUFC app as always. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to a Minnesota United production.